0: Hey everybody, Dan here, welcoming you to another episode of Old School Saturday. This is the Disney Plus, excuse me, the Be Kind Rewind Disney Plus Movie Podcast Throwback Episode. Today I am reaching into the vault, pulling out the first True Adventures episode of Disney. Or I'm sorry, I'm saying that wrong. It is the first True Adventures movie that Walt Disney produced. It is entitled The Living Desert and we hope that you enjoy what um, Icky and I talked about. Hi. Hi-ho,
1: hi-ho It's all to work we go Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee Greenest state in the land of the free Raised in the woods so he knew every tree Killed him a bar when he was only three Davey, Davey Crockett oh. Never before has the screen presented such moments of dramatic ferocity and suspense. Of exquisite beauty. Here is the story no dramatist could write. but great drama created by nature herself. Repeated over and over since time began. Staged in settings of endless enchantment. With actors who play the eternal drama with their own lives at stake. Yes, in the stark conflict of the desert pageant, there are many bizarre performances and strange displays. The deadly stalk of the Gila monster. The sudden, terrifying sweep of the flash flood. In the frolicking love dance of the lethal scorpion. Lady and gent to the center of the ring, lock those claws, lift that sting. Three legs up and four legs down, whirl that scorpion round and round. up for the stingery but watch out gal you don't sting me and the mishaps large and small of the desert community for those who seek the unusual in stirring motion picture entertainment for those who look to the screen for moments of greatness of fascinating realism and the thrill of rare experience For one of the treasured experiences of a lifetime, see the Living Desert.
0: Welcome, 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 all you nature lovers to your first ever Disney be kind rewind disney movie podcast of the nature documentaries i am one of your hosts dan teats and with me tonight back from the deepest darkest jungles of africa is ichabod bones
2: what's up party people it was How's a good it? day
0: yeah you didn't good have day. To good use day. your ak oh wait <laughs> 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 and i've broken 45 seconds and i think that's a new record <laughs> As I mentioned tonight, we are a t- documentary from Walt Disney World Productions. This was The Living Desert. It was recorded. Yeah, it was recorded.
2: <laughs>
0: on that eight-track tape, baby.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Back on November the 10th, 1953, it did $2.6 million in revenue. So, not too bad especially considering this is the first documentary that they've done. And that equates to about... Still make a 20. movie. Still turn a profit. Yeah. Any, any time that you could turn a profit, especially with the... I mean, they really didn't have a budget on this one, except for just setting up for nights and days and days and nights of people just recording footage, so there's no telling how many feet of tape they went through with this one. Yeah. But... This one did $25.3 million in today's revenue. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good COVID-19 movie. It's a good
2: way to put it. I'd watch it again, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, all right. So, the movie opens with the words, This true-life adventure is a drama as old as time itself, but seldom seen by human eyes. Nature sets the stage and provides the actors. Only through the endless patience of skilled photographers has it been possible to view this strange and unusual world. It then shifts to a paintbrush painting, a picture of the globe, and the narrator tells the story of the trade winds. And the um, painting shows the winds pushing the clouds towards the U.S. where they meet a barrier in the mountain. The scene, the scene then shifts to a peaceful mountain range where Mount Whitney is, and on the other side is Death Valley. The narrator tells us that Death Valley was once a sea, and from there it zooms out to the painter who adds the desert between the Sierras and the Rockies. The scene then cuts to scenes of Monument Valley and the Painter Desert, and it shows several mirages of water that don't exist when you actually get there. It then shifts to the walking. Boulders that weigh almost a ton, but move along the the bottom of an old dried out lake. The scene then shifts to the Salton Sea, where water and mud gurgle because of something that isn't explained. And then it shifts to a desert as a sandstorm rolls. It's after the sandstorm that the first creatures begin to move about. A lizard comes out and eats several ants. A snake tries to make the snack of this unsuspecting lizard. And a roadrunner snaps off the tail of a garter. Scene then shifts to a tarantula cleaning out its den before snapping up a bug that happens to wander by. A -a chuckwalla is shown and explains, and it's explained that it eats nothing but dandelion. The scene then shifts to several thousand cactus, cacti, cactus. I'm not sure how you actually pronounce the plural. And several different varieties of birds are shown making nests in the different types of cactus cacti is a proper way to say it. it then shows a tortoise and is told that a tortoise is able to produce its own water from leaves which it then stores under his shell and this is where we are introduced to the mating ritual of the tortoise and a fight is shown between two males which ends when one tortoise is slipped onto its own back the scene then shifts to a Codamundi, which is a relative of the raccoon which appears and attacks a scorpion, which it is almost immune to. Baby cotamundi are shown playing with each other, but they soon head out and start to steal some eggs, which they are too small to break into. It's kind of funny. And then we're shown Peccaries, which are playing in the damp sand when a bobcat comes over the ridge, and the peccaries chase the bobcat up a saguaro cactus which in turn comes toppling down and the bobcat has to run to another cactus to climb up in order to not be speared by the peccary's tusk. A rattlesnake comes slithering along and happens upon an unsuspecting mouse, which tries to escape into the tarantula's hole, but sees that that's not going to happen and in turn has to dig its own hole. The snake follows the trail of the rat and comes upon a tarantula, which chases it off. Then we shift to the scene of a red tailed hawk flying as bats wake up and take off out of a cave. And we're um we see the bats echolocation explained. And as the hawk attacks the swarm, night comes. And this is when all where most of the animals come out because it's so hot out in the desert. Toads come out and attack beetles. A centipede wanders by the tarantula's den and is eaten for its troubles. And a millipede wanders into the same area, but because of its smell, the tarantula lets him go. And the millipede is instead eaten by a toad. A uh, red and yellow snake slithers across across screen as a elf and owl watches on. And then we get to see three mating rituals shown. We see the tarantula, the scorpion, and the longhorn beetle. And the longhorn beetle evades, evades both a tarantula and a toad. A kangaroo rat spends some time looking for a paste to store his food. And ends up running into a horny toad and another rat who is looking to spy on where the other rat is packing away its goodies. A mother kangaroo rat spies a kingsnake, and the kingsnake follows a mom into its lair, and it instead attacks a gecko, instead of the kangaroo rat. A winder is shown moving across the sand, and its method of travel is explained, and it happens upon a kangaroo rat, who starts to kick sand into its face, until finally it retreats, and then the scene shifts to a ring-tailed cat, who's sneaking up on the rat, and and the rat only manages to escape because an owl attacks at the same time. And then we see a round-tailed squirrel, because it's the next morning, and they all have a road. They all have a run-in with a roadrunner and a skunk, before spotting a gila monster, which is the smallest of the round-tailed squirrels. Is able to fight off. Morning moves on. And a wasp gets attacked by an army of ants. Which she barely survives. And then it's explained that the wasp and the tarantula are mortal enemies. Because a wasp is determined to kill the tarantula. So that it can lay its eggs. Excuse me. Lay its single egg. In, in the body of the tarantula. And continue on the wasp line. And it's shown at... After the tarantula has been killed, the wasp drags it over, digs a hole, buries the body, and lays it single. A rattlesnake stalks its prey even as a red tailed hawk stalks it, which ends up with the red tailed hawk being victorious. And then the scene shifts to a downpour and a rainstorm, which hits, and then a flash flood which is the result of the downpour. And almost as soon as the rain is done and the flood has moved on, the waters dissipate. But this is the beginning of the circle of life because this is where the ground cracks up and lush vegetation springs up. And the, and the movie ends with the full life cycle of several flowers being shot. So, like I've said couple of times already in this one. This was a nature documentary, the first one that Walt Disney World had actually yeah, Walt Disney World. That Walt Disney (laughs) Productions had actually done. And I had never watched it No, me neither. In fact, I didn't think that they actually did the documentaries until like the late like late nineties when they had the when they started celebrating Earth Day every every year with a with a movie that came out every year on Earth Day. Oh yeah, no,
2: I knew they had made some. I knew they had made some early on. I think they were having some financial issues, or I think maybe it had something to do with some of the strikes. The artists went on strike with the union, hmm. and so he kind of moved things in a different direction, or because like bored, he wanted to keep moving and trying different things. So I knew they did it, but I didn't. I never actually watched any of them. I guess you could call this the first real... Documentary, if you want to call it a real documentary, because it still is kind of dramatized. I think they had a couple pseudo documentaries, like a uh, what's that one we watched where the they were talking about South America and the little plane flew across the Andes and all that. Uh, this is what that reminded me of.
0: Yeah, and and the fact that they kept throwing in humor when you wouldn't when you at least expect it in the movie, like you had a tarantula. Yeah. Jump out at a bug and oops! Looks like he's got another meal. <laughs>
2: yeah, or the the lizard they called it a a deciduous dandelion-eating dinosaur, or something like that. They did some kind of alliteration. <laughs> I like that part. I forgot the words they used, but something like that. Diminutive. That's what they said—a diminutive dandelion-eating dinosaur.
0: But yeah, we I actually I sat down and started watching this at on a on a sun. Saturday or a Sunday afternoon. And on a Sunday afternoon. And there's another outro. Outtake. <laughs> but Grayson woke up and started watching it. She's like, wait, it's actually a legitimate movie? And she sat and watched like two-thirds of the movie. And, I mean, we were both sit. I was taking notes, of course, on it. But, I mean, the, the amount of detail that they had in it was it was not what i was actually expecting for a disney movie and yeah i had
2: no idea what no expectations coming in i didn't know what it was going to be about
0: so would you say that it blew your mind <laughs> it blew my stinking mind <laughs> yes and there's probably 3 people out there that will actually get that joke <laughs> if not but yeah i mean i was i was impressed with the with the way that they actually moved. Well, I mean, it's a Disney movie, so obviously they're going to have some underlying current yeah with it. But the way that they could move from one piece to another piece and make it all flow together
2: was and they still tried to paint a picture with with the music, silly music at certain times, mm-hmm. and like you said, the way that the narrator was throwing in humor and alliteration and you know poetry and things like that yeah, it almost wasn't like a a full-on documentary. Because full-on documentaries are just boring and they make you fall asleep. But this was a, I would even so call it a quasi-documentary. Maybe. I don't know. Disney-fied documentary.
0: Yeah, a Disney-fied documentary that didn't have Morgan Freeman doing the voiceover. And now (laughs) the third episode. (laughs) Yeah. And that is your bad impression for the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't hate me. Or maybe do hate me. I don't know. But I mean the when we had one, three, four, five, eight, I mean, they had probably twenty or twenty five different animals that actually got screen time on the movies, which I actually told Grayson while we were watching it that I actually wanted a, a Coda mundy just because that that little raccoon relative I mean he was cute, and he'd definitely give Dilly a run for his money whenever Dilly got out of line. Was that
2: the one that was trying that was eating the eggs, which one was that? Yeah, that, which that one was eating the, the eggs?
0: That was the that was the baby Coopamundi.
2: Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, couldn't they, get his jaws around the egg.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it was trying to think of the right words for it. It was a it was an it was a good way to actually sit someone down and teach them about the desert southwest. because yes. growing up as a child of Warner Brothers, the only thing that I thought was in the desert southwest was wily e. coyote and the roadrunner. <laughs> and every once in a while you had Yosemite Sam come in and shoot up everything. But other than that you didn't have any other I mean, when when you had a Wily e. Coyote Roadrunner cartoon, there was no oh, well let's look off and see the tortoise. Which I didn't yeah. even realize that the tortoise was a was a desert animal.
2: Yeah, I didn't realize once they got flipped over they could write themselves. I thought they were just dead.
0: Yeah. So and the and the way that it actually showed the the perspectives how most animals out there aren't that big. And I mean after I mean other than like the the Cotamundi, the tortoise, and of course the um Gila Monster, which really wasn't yeah. that big when you looked at the skinny squirrel.
2: <laughs> right.
0: I mean and I could I could really understand why because none I mean when you're struggling to find water for things you don't I don't think that you would be that bit,
2: yeah, it's about conservation and survival,
0: yeah, but i i I definitely came out of it saying that I learned a few things because yeah. i did I didn't know that a tortoise made water from the leaves that it ate, yeah, and the same thing with the kangaroo rat one was a it was a definite break from the norm because we. Where when you're used to cartoons and high seas adventures and things of that nature, and you actually sit down and learn something for an hour and fifteen minutes. Yeah. I've got I've got to give Disney two thumbs up for for making a documentary something that you would actually want to watch.
2: To see something that was entertaining and not dry as week old Thanksgiving turkey.
0: Or as dry as the desert itself.
2: That too. Yeah.
0: So I'm trying to think. Is there anything else that that jumped out at you, like the little kangaroo rat? Leave
2: it to me. But the most off the wall, obscure. I, my brain is just weird. I come up with the weirdest things. But there was a line that he said, and I wish I would have wrote, wrote written it down. Wrote it down. I don't down? have the exact. Yeah. I don't have the exact quote, but it was, I don't have the exact quote, but there was a, a point where he said something to the effect of, in the wilderness, there is no good or bad, there is no right or wrong, there is no evil or just, there's just survival. Ooh. And so what one person thinks, while one animal is being attacked by a monster, the other one is just getting their dinner. Yeah. And I I thought, man, that that's,
0: that's deep. There's no evil. But if you think about it, the fact that you would actually say that there is no good or evil, that kind of transcends everything that we've been talking. I mean, yes, it's about survival, but if you don't think of things in good or evil, you're not going to see things in right or wrong.
2: Yeah, and obviously we're talking about animals out in the wild, not humans. I'm not yeah. trying to transfer that to us, but I just thought that was that was kind of deep that you would say that. Like, the spider is a monster to the fly, right? Mm-hmm. To the fly, the spider's a monster, but on the other way... The flies is food to the spider. He's just getting dinner. I don't know. Found that to be very deep and like, wow. So do you
0: know cows see us as monsters? I don't know. Do cows think? No, nah, probably not. Eat more chicken. This this show has been brought to you by Yeah, we wish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sponsored well, in part by The Pete More Cows.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Well, um, Was there anything else that stuck out to you? I mean it was I mean, the the fact that I honestly didn't even realize that it was over until it was over. And that's and that's not because I fell asleep or anything like that. It was because it was a (laughs) it was actually a enjoyable look at something that I didn't know anything about.
2: Yeah. Delightfully surprising, yeah.
0: So do you have anything else before we try to work on the question no no
2: i think we pretty well summed it up
0: okay well obviously with everything that's going on out in the desert southwest right now this movie is painfully relevant to today's society and the need to conserve and yet not really (laughs) yeah i mean it it made me realize what what the normal animal out there has to go through on a normal day. Because I think I think the movie itself kinda put things in what? A two or three day time span? Because it started like it, yeah. it started in the morning of one day and then the very end it showed like a time lapse of a of a flower growing, dying, withering away all in all in a day because it didn't have any um water for lack of a way to look Yeah. So I mean, it made me appreciate what what goes on out there and how the animals have to struggle. And it does come down to whether or not you're going to be somebody's dinner that night.
2: Yeah, that's all life is for most most animals.
0: Because you, cause you think about it, the tarantula is the, was the biggest quote-unquote villain in this movie because I think she ate yeah. like three or four bugs that just... Happened to walk into her lair, and then at the very end of the movie, the wasp ends up killing her, dragging her to the and burying her in the sand, just like in just like somebody that ended up on the wrong side of the Vegas mafia.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: right. <laughs> and it's also that way; it's been, the wasp one single egg could continue on the propagation of wasp versus tarantula versus ground tail squirrel.
2: And the circle of life is complete.
0: Yes, and once again we tie everything together. <laughs> we did not, oh, yeah. do, we didn't do that in last week's episode, man.
2: That's true. I have to do something retroactively now. <laughs>
0: nah, we, we'll just, just we'll just wait for the angry emails that say, why didn't you tie in that Robin, um, Robin Hood and and Peter Pan are first cousins because they wear the same hat. Oh yeah, you're right. Mm. Getting back to this one, this one definitely shows the circle of life and how everything's interconnected. And it actually makes me think about even though it's not the desert southwest, the ride where is the um the ride that's in the same place as Sorin in Epcot where you got Pumba and Timon? Yeah, yeah. Where everything's constantly trying to eke out an ex- and i just brought the whole podcast to a screeching halt <laughs> <laughs> so can you think of anything else that that shows the cultural relevance of the desert southwest in today's society
2: no i think there's not a whole lot to cover here i think you've got it pretty well we got the circle of life and just nature and being careful with the the species that we have yeah
0: well, is there anything else that you would like to add before we give the people their homework?
2: Ooh. No, this things that I missed. And look forward to the next nature document.
0: Yeah, so our next uh our next show is another documentary. This time it is The Vanishing Prairie. Ooh. Which was released about a year later, so Walt Disney sent his people out and said, go find out what's happening to the buffalo and the bison. Because I I got a feeling that they're, they're going to be talking about that somewhere in that one.
2: Seems like it, yeah.
0: And then we actually have a couple of weeks where we have actual, legit Walt Disney... Oh, well, actually, I take that back. We've got 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which is one that I can definitely say I've watched about 95% of. And then if we play our cards right, we're going to have another special guest host in with the two of us to talk about something that I know you want to talk about, the pre-opening of Walt Disney.
2: Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That will be fun, yeah.
0: So, and interspersed in there, of course, we have Halloween, and we have the most important of all American holidays, Columbus Day. <laughs>
2: and you can send your compl- complaints to econ rewind dmp at com.
0: <laughs> once again that is be kind rewind dmp which stands for disney movie podcast at gmail.com so you've got your next assignment should you choose to accept it please Except that everything that we take, that we say in jest, we do not mean to offend. Because we definitely <laughs> do not. Um, we're just we're just two guys talking about movies. Because that's what we do. That's it. Yep. Alright. Well, until we talk to you again, stay safe and stay hungry, my friends. Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at dmp at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. Do you want to be a snowman?